Welcome to the Gut Doctor Podcast, where Dr. Neil Parikh describes GI disorders and answers common questions related to the GI tract. Please note this podcast is for informational purposes only and is not a substitute for medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. We hope you enjoy. Welcome back to another episode of the Gut Doctor Podcast. Today, I have Dr. Michael Karasik here with me. He's an interventional gastroenterologist with CTGI, one of my partners, and the Director of Interventional Endoscopy at the Digestive Health Center of Hartford Healthcare. Today, Mike and I are going to be talking about peroral endoscopic myotomy, or POEM, specifically for the treatment of achalasia. Mike, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure. So before we get into the specifics of POEM and you know the more technical and endoscopic aspects, are you able to share a brief overview of achalasia for our non-medical listeners? Certainly. Uh, while there are a number of different variations, achalasia generally implies a loss of normal motor function of the esophagus so that food has difficulty getting into the stomach. The main reason is that the, a ring of muscle at the bottom of the esophagus, which normally serves to protect against reflux, should be relaxing when food is there, but it's not. That's the problem with achalasia. And so food can't get across this ring of muscle. There are other features as well, but this is the most important aspect of the disease. So in simple terms, that that lower sphincter or kind of like almost door is not opening or relaxing. It's not closing. Uh, it's staying closed or does not relax. Exactly. So many of our treatments I know for achalasia involve manipulating this lower esophageal sphincter. Uh, what are those other treatment options before we talk poem? Sure. All of the treatments are directed at this lower sphincter. <clears throat> they include Botox to relax the muscle, pneumatic dilatation, which is inflation of a balloon to tear the muscle, and myotomy, which means cutting the muscle. All right. So many of our listeners, you know, especially our medical ones, may be familiar with surgical myotomy or surgical ways to cut the muscle. And that's been the gold standard for many types of achalasia for, many, for, for some time now. What is POEM and is it similar to laparoscopic surgical myotomy or how is it different? <clears throat> well, instead of performing the myotomy, the cutting of the muscle by first having to make an incision across the abdominal wall so that the surgeon can get tools inside, POEM is much less invasive. The abdominal wall is not cut, though incisions are made on the outside. The muscle is cut on the inside by performing a relatively simple endoscopy. I see. So it's a, sim it's a similar procedure when you get to the actual muscle. It's just really the access point to that muscle. Exactly. Now, how does POEM compare to surgical myotomy in terms of efficacy and durability? Well, POEM represents the newest treatment option, and where available is becoming the most commonly used treatment. Even surgeons who used to do helomyotomy have started to switch those who have endoscopic skills to doing POEM. Most in the United States, most of the practitioners are gastroenterologists with uh, advanced experience. Available data now at 10 years show that over 90% of those with the most complicated situations, and there are particular aspects of achalasia that make people less responsive to all the treatments, but POEM tends to have the best in those situations, and 90% 
excuse me, 85% are still doing well 10 years later. Wow, that poem has a poem has a response rate in general between 92 and 95%. I'm just, those are, those are good numbers and very similar numbers. So then I get from a patient perspective, is your experience, you know, preparation pre-op, is that different than a routine upper endoscopy since, you know, you're accessing this through an upper endoscopy strategy? Yeah, from my perspective, the only difference is that there's more risk that the esophagus is going to have food in there, which will prevent the procedure from being done. And for that reason, I keep people on a liquid diet for the three days preceding the procedure. And and you're saying that they're more likely to have food in there because of their underlying disease, the achalasia, correct? Exactly. All right. So you mentioned different types of achalasia Um early on, uh, earlier in the podcast, which achalasia patients are best candidates for POEM? So really all achalasia patients are excellent candidates for POEM. POEM has at least as good a response as does helimyotomy and far better than does pneumatic dilatation or Botox. The only circumstances where POEM is generally considered less advisable as compared to helimyotomy is in the situation of someone who is morbidly obese or patients with very large hiatal hernias, because those two situations result in increased reflux, significant increased reflux after POEM. Okay. Makes sense. Now, other than achalasia, are there other diseases that you will consider for POEM? Yeah, there are some analogous situations. There is a sphincter at the top of the esophagus called the upper esophageal sphincter. And when it doesn't relax, people can develop zancor diverticulum and food gets stuck in the back of their throat. We can use the same technique endoscopically to do a myotomy. And that has had 100% success in my experience thus far and is very well tolerated. And again, people only spend one night in the hospital. Similarly, the ring of muscle at the bottom of the stomach, which prevents food from exiting into the small intestine and is usually associated with severe nausea, vomiting, and abdominal pain in patients with gastroparesis, that too can respond to myotomy. And about 60 to 80% of people have very good responses. You mentioned earlier uh, a large hiatal hernia you know, or morbid obesity as reasons to maybe avoid um, a poem. Are there any absolute contraindications for a poem? Well, that would really depend upon the patient's ability to tolerate anesthesia because <clears throat> pneumatic dilatation, poem, and helimyotomy all require general anesthesia. So if, for example, there was a patient with significant heart or lung disease such that general anesthesia would be very dangerous. That's someone that we would generally just limit treatment to Botox because it can be performed within only 10 minutes. And while the results are not as good as with the other treatments, about two thirds of people will respond for at least a period of time. Hopefully during that period of time, the patient's health can be improved and something more definitive can be done. Now, we mentioned preoperatively, it's similar to upper endoscopy other than, you know, waiting, waiting a few um, extra days of less 
oral intake, are there is any special post-operative care after a poem? I usually uh, start with liquids and we advance over the next couple of weeks to regular food. Uh, it depends upon what location. For example, the, the site where I make the incision to cut at the bottom of the stomach, I can suture that closed. And so people can really start eating almost right away. In the esophagus, I close that site with clips. And so I don't like to have solid food for at least a week and a half because I don't want to knock those clips off. And we haven't had that happen. At the upper esophageal sphincter, the same is true. We do use clips, but that heals even more rapidly. And so usually within about four days, people are eating soft foods. Oh, wow. Okay. Are there any specific poem complications that you tell your patients about? Well, although I compare it to a general endoscopy, it does obviously have some higher risk because it is a type of, of surgical procedure. It's endoscopic surgery. And while it's less invasive even than laparoscopic surgical procedures, there are risks of bleeding and perforation. We control bleeding the same as the surgeons do with similar tools and we're careful to avoid injury to the surface lining that would lead to perforation and thus far have not had any. These are uncommon occurrences, but it is still a surgical procedure, therefore has surgical risk. Now, you mentioned reflux earlier as well, um, and that's one reason you kind of avoid um, poem, or is that something you just warn patients about too, you know, that reflux may be a possibility afterwards? Yes. In fact, any of the treatments, if they're successful, are going to result in an increased risk of reflux. Because remember, that muscle that is not relaxing, its normal function is to prevent reflux. And so whether it's Botox, pneumatic dilatation, myotomy, or POM, if we're successfully able to open the sphincter to allow food to go down, there is going to be risk of reflux afterward. The reason why I pointed out those two settings, the large hiatal hernia and the uh, uh, people who are morbidly obese, is because the risk is much, much higher than. Uh, that makes sense. I mean, that I guess achalasia by definition, as you said, is a tiny sphincter. We open that up. We, we open that gateway. Um, Mike, this has been fantastic. Um, thank you for sharing your perspective and expertise here on peroral endoscopic myotomy which, you know, based on what you just shared with us, appears to be an effective and safe alternative to surgery for many patients with achalasia. Thanks again to our Thanks. listeners. I hope you guys enjoy this episode and tune back in next time. Thanks very much. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Gut Doctor Podcast. For additional information about today's topic, please visit ConnecticutGI.org. Your feedback is important to us, so please remember to subscribe, rate, and review. Stay tuned for more episodes of The Gut Doctor, and if you think you may need to see a gastroenterologist, just trust your gut.